Welcome to Taught for the Day, the audio series. I am Sanya, a writer, educator and an art enthusiast. In this podcast series, we will be discussing all things teaching, parenting, well-being, education, mental health as well as life in general. I also share my thoughts through weekly blogs on my website taughtfortheday.com. If you would like to connect with me, then find me on Instagram as taughtfortheday or on LinkedIn as Sanya Ayushi. With this series, I intend to share my teaching experiences in New Zealand and in other places around the globe while shedding some light on the education industry and how as a community we can add value to each other's lives. Welcome to an extremely special episode of Taught for the Day, the audio series. I know it's been long, but I think I had a valid reason for that. It's because I was preparing this extremely special podcast episode where I sit across with my really special friend Jan Kisoni, who is a practicing counselor in Canada, and we actually got down to sit and discuss some interesting arenas of mental health when it comes to parents children and families so here's the interview or discussion whatever you would like to call it it's an effort from our end to make people more aware when it comes to mental health in children families and parents so yeah without any further ado let's get started and see you soon bye hi janki so beginning our episode or discussion i actually wanted to talk to you about why do you think is mental health an important episode or an important topic that we need to discuss in our day to day lives yep um we casually talk about physical health like it's not even like why are we talking about physical health right, right. likewise mental health just like physical health it is very important everybody has physical health likewise everybody has mental health irrespective of your age mm-hmm. your gender or any cultural group you belong to yeah. everybody has mental health mm-hmm. um mental health is how you think how you feel how you behave uh to put it in real life example is how we cope with our problems mm-hmm. how resilient we are mm-hmm. um how well we are in our social life how are how well we are dealing with our problems right. those all things come under mental health mm-hmm. um one in five people like one in five experience some sort of mental illness mm-hmm. and after this pandemic um the number is just going up and up right right and while I completely agree with the fact that mental health is a very important discussion. You know, when it comes to talking about it between us as adults, it's easier, but when it comes to talking about mental health with children, there's a lot of oh's, ifs and buts around it. So, mm-hmm. when do you think is the right time to actually start talking to our children about mental health? I would say when they acquire language when they are able to communicate mm-hmm. even through actions or when they are just seeing that you know i need this that's a good time to talk about mental health mm-hmm. um cuz um it's just you giving them space to express what they are feeling mm-hmm. uh 
or helping them to have that vocabulary to talk about certain things so like, the sooner you start better it is yeah so as soon as they start having those interactions with us about how are you feeling and they have that language i mean even if they've had a bad day it's important that they feel that they can come and talk to us and share even if it's that that's in like one word yes yeah well then br- that brings us to understanding where do we know exactly that our child or our children are facing a poor mental health situation and they might need some help like what are certain signs that we can pick up on you suggest mm-hmm. well um in children especially they don't have vocabulary for it so they cry right irrespective so maybe if you are observing that your kid is crying then the usual amount mm-hmm. um you're f- seeing that you know there are unexplained emotional mm-hmm. outbursts yeah. they are getting um easily annoyed or frustrated um they are withdrawing from social interactions right. Right. or maybe they are not enjoying the activities they typically enjoy mm-hmm. um not playing too much or um maybe they a- they act like they are very easily startled or very fearful mm-hmm. those are some of the signs which we should look for yeah. it's just not one thing it's just like looking for multiple signs one thing could be anything you know right right yeah. i mean looking for like a couple of things that might even include them not performing well in school yes. even though it's not like a solid indicator it can be considered yes. as one of the indicators right yes absolutely i mean while we are recognizing all these signs and symptoms the responsibility of this all actually comes down to the parents like yes i'm there for my child i need to help them if i'm seeing that they are you know not in their usual space so in the process of it all the parents also start experiencing maybe a poor mental health situation and you know like talking about it i would actually like to bring us to the topic of postpartum depression because moms have so many things going on like right from pregnancy through to the 9 months 10 months then after birth there are so many things they have to deal with and i mean there's there's been a lot of discussion around postpartum depression and i really want to kind of uh, have you highlight uh, why is it an important discussion when we talk about parents mental health it is very natural for um for a new mother to experience baby blues because mm-hmm. of course um we are worried like mm-hmm. how would we take mm-hmm. care of the children how will manage the changes and right. everything that is very natural mm-hmm. to feel a little bit anxious to have a little bit of mood swings because of course there are so many hormonal changes right. going on mm-hmm. but it is considered as postpartum depression or some mental health concern when those emotional changes or the feeling of being overwhelmed or agitated or feeling very sad it stays for very mm. long duration mm. so let's say the feeling of you you are feeling very anxious it's coming and it's going right. that is very natural but if it is coming and it is staying there for very long period you're mm. feeling very sad for let's just say for 2 weeks or more then that is a concern mm. um we would, you are having hard time to connect or bond with the baby mm. now that is another um yeah. sign but that doesn't make you a bad parent right it's just it's okay i mean it's just there are so many changes going on yeah. in your body physiologically mentally so 
it can happen to anybody the yeah. ratio is one out of seven uh, birthing mo- mothers experience postpartum or any perinatal mental health disorder right so i mean wow like if you think about it when i actually think about it like how do mothers really have so much of capacity because yes during pregnancy your body and your mind is going through so many changes you're actually acting or thinking for two if yeah. not more yeah. and you know it's just such a big process to kind of let everything happen to you and then you also thinking about leading a normal life and living up to people's expectations around you and somehow this is something that i've experienced in my uh, discussions with parents where new moms have come to me and they've shared that how it's difficult for them to just act like it's a joyous moment when they are in pain yeah they are tired their sleep is not right like there's so many things but around them because you've given birth and because it's such a momentous thing in life you're expected to be happy all the time and to be honest that's not something that's mm-hmm. can just happen like with a snap of a finger you need to really give yourself the time to process all that delivery pain you go through like there's a lot that needs to kind of be talked about and in general i feel nowadays the practice of um, i think uh, taking some form of uh, counseling has become common for uh, birthing mothers if i'm not wrong yes. right yeah yes. like this like it's like a prescription kind of a <laughs> thing happening yes so uh, this postpartum is just not after delivery yeah um this mood changes could also occur anywhere during your pregnancy as well right typically we see it um after um delivery mm-hmm. but this can happen during pregnancy as well right so uh, being irritable changes in appetite not having motivation mm-hmm. um crying like having crying spells mm-hmm. these could happen during your pregnancy as well okay yeah and then all these things that actually affect the mother eventually kind of you know branch out into the relationship yes. that the mother shares with the partner mm-hmm. in a marriage specifically and uh, whether it is the partner is a female or a male it adversely affects certain families and i've actually read this stat somewhere that maximum number of divorces around the world happened during the first year of uh, a child being born mm-hmm. so what do you have to say about uh, you know these birth postpartum depression actually affecting relationships well um it's one is you know um people don't have these conversations or where people are not aware that these things do exist so when the partners they are not aware what is happening they are confused they don't know what to do and it's just they also have their own stresses they are dealing with so many changes and when your partner is going through so many changes you are like oh god what is happening right, right. so uh, the statistics say is one out of 10 fathers new mm. fathers mm. experience postpartum depression wow yeah and um if your partner is experiencing any uh, mm. perinatal disorder like mental health disorder then mm. it is more likely for their partner to go through similar things like um 
especially like for mothers there are so many role models there are so many books what to do and what not to do yeah. there is for fathers we don't have such conversations especially now in this changing world the role of father the role of man man men per se it's changing right yes. first it was initially it was like you know men going out taking care of the outer world the financial aspect and women they used to take care of the children yeah um but now both the partners are working so mm-hmm. we identifying yourself renegotiating um everything who's going to do who who are going to do the chores mm-hmm. who's going to take care of the baby um especially in first few months sh- like kids they don't sleep through night mm-hmm. so you know who's going to take turns to wake up those are small small things mm-hmm. everything together yeah they just there's a lot of things to go, like deal with mm-hmm. so that is why we see that you know there are so many challenges mm. during the initial stages yeah and actually i would like to add to what you said about fathers not having enough guidance or support when it comes to playing the father role because every single time you walk into a bookstore there'll be a book on how to be a perfect mom or how to get it right but you hardly ever come across a book that is talking to a dad Yeah. And that is telling that okay these are the tips you need to follow to be a great dad like somehow i feel that uh, men who are about to be fathers are just expected to magically yes. step into this role and be so amazing at it and you know be empathetic towards their wives like how do you even expect them to understand what the mother is going through without having giving them the right education around it you know so i think that is why it's important that we need to keep discussing even doctors need to keep taking adequate discussions around this with to be parents yes and um <clears throat> in medical practices it is very common that a mother is supported during pregnancy right until um labor and after birth but after birth care is very less yes so um things like postpartum depression or any after care is not given so much of importance whereas mm. the mother is going through so many changes yeah. that is why it is very important to have these conversations mm. uh even during pregnancy mm. like you know um this could happen these are some of the symptoms of right. postpartum depression so keep an eye on it not just mm. the uh, birthing person even for the partners if you feel like your partner is going through these symptoms mm. keep an eye on it it's just not they are not a bad parent they are mm. not a bad like bad spouse mm. they are just going through this and they need support yeah i mean this also kind of translates into how siblings in the family Uh, mm. the older children the elder children take on to the newborn coming to their family and you know how they are expected to suddenly share things and share their parents and yes. it can take a l- huge toll on these uh, toddlers and you know children who are under 5 to mm. understand and experience uh, the coming of a new person in their lives and i've especially seen it in my classrooms like with these children who are great when their moms are pregnant and they are talking about yes i'm going to be a big brother or big sister and when this new baby comes in and they are big brothers and sisters they really have a tough time handling the changes 
like they have big meltdowns big emotions because as older siblings they are going through so much as well yeah and yeah i mean is there something you would add to it like sure so um with older siblings it is very important that we keep as parents we keep communicating mm-hmm. that um no matter what i love you mm-hmm. um understanding that um making sure that you have some as- time just for your elder si- sibling oh mm-hmm. my god elder sibling yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right it's a sibling thing <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. so uh, you spend quality time with them. Quality means um, not having phone mm-hmm. or not, you know, worrying about the other child. Mm-hmm. Making sure that time is completely allocated for the elder one only. Mm-hmm. Then um, the other thing you could do is involve the elder sibling. Like, um, let's just say if you're cooking, so you know, giving age-appropriate tasks to the kid, or when you are taking care of the younger one. So yeah. maybe giving them some responsibilities. Like we are family. We take care of each other. Right. This is not a competition. We 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 all love each other, and we are here for each other. Yeah, that's great. I mean, establishing the foundation of what a family is. also comes from here and having these conversations with our children and well i think in the process of it all it just so happens that either the older siblings really have some kind of warmth towards the <laughs> newborn baby or it's the other way yeah. <laughs> and i think it takes for some children it takes a really really uh hard uh, acceptance process mm-hmm. to give that kind of love and adulation to the newborn well also now kind of bringing us to another discussion talking about siblings and you know having conversations with children um i actually want to talk about something that i've experienced while growing up in the indian context of raising you know how our parents interact with us when we are growing up uh there's certain phrases and terms that are used commonly thrown at us because uh yeah that's how it is supposed to happen and even though in that moment that might sound little but it can have a very very strong impact on a child like for example i'll tell you i remember there were like many instances when i was like i don't know how many years old where i was always told for like little things that isme rone ki kya baat hai you know that yeah. thing that it's so trivial that you're crying over this so in that moment while i would kind of feel a little shameful that i'm crying over such a small thing but what it also made me feel is my feelings are being dismissed hmm my my kind of regard respect relationship with something whether it's a thing person place is being uh unaccepted is being shown down and uh, my feeling is not being respected here so that was what i took back home and in fact even stuff like even for that matter now i constantly get to hear the phrase like forget about it just forget it mm-hmm. you know like yeah you need to forget things or maybe get past things you need to kind of forgive people and situations in your life but forgetting is not like a switch 
na you know just because it is told to you in such a way that you are like yeah i can forget it but actually no if something's of such a great intensity has happened with you you can't just forget things yes i mean what does this <laughs> make you feel like have you been told certain terms like that in your life um yes many times and i also have other examples in like top of my he- head mm. i can think is boys don't cry oh, yes i love that one <laughs> <laughs> or um i have a, i have an example for this like mm. um somebody just met with an accident had serious injuries um we don't expect that person to be like oh it's okay it just happened forget and move on don't worry about it or don't cry about it we are never such in, like we are never insensitive towards such things right Absolutely. but when it comes to mental health mm. just because you cannot see it we just dismiss things it's like mm. uh, we don't ask a person who is you know maybe their hand is fractured we don't be like oh it's okay you know what just don't think about it you will be fine right mm. we like oh you need to go to a physiotherapist or you need mm. to do this or this treatment mm. we we actually take time and we we very empathetic and kind towards it and there is an approach where you know what we actually need to do something about it mm. but when it comes to mental health it's yeah. all about don't cry mm. don't feel sad mm-hmm. like you said don't feel sad and i don't feel sad it doesn't work like that yeah. you need a space where you are expressing yourself and it's okay to feel those emotions and even though you wish that somebody said that don't feel sad and things would change and you would be like la 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 magical <laughs> land but it doesn't work like that no. unfortunately yeah. and i don't know what it is that has kind of you know come into our generation and has not come into previous generations that i think we're just expected to keep going on in life mm-hmm. without really sitting uh, in a headspace where we can process bad events mm-hmm. and to be honest all these things that we don't process in the moment they come back to us at some point <laughs> in our lives yeah unfortunately yeah. they do yeah so how do you think that when it comes to talking and you know kind of understanding these things and phrases that we are telling our children mm-hmm. when they're growing up how do you think we can actually change this practice like is there a way you think we can kind of stop putting these uh, stigmas or these set rules in our children's head that okay boys don't cry like mm-hmm. what do you think should change well that's a very big question mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm going to like you know um try to answer it in small small parts um one is creating a space um where it is okay to mm. experience not so positive experience so uh for example not just example let me just share a fact yeah um all human beings experience some basic human emotions mm-hmm. like everyone so those emotions are Mm. joy mm. sadness yeah surprise mm. anger fear and disgust okay. the six basic emotions every culture every age group they experience this absolutely out of these six emotions if you might notice joy is a pleasant emotion surprise can be pleasant rest everything is not so pleasant like anger frustration like anger um, disgust fear those are not pleasant and we are in our culture unfortunately we are 
not allowed to feel those emotions yes. we are always taught that we need to just put it aside and just be happy yeah <laughs> which is so unrealistic yeah. life doesn't work like that yeah. so creating a space where you are allowed to feel all those emotions mm. so th- it's a two way process one is you doing it by yourself mm. where you're just sitting with your emotions labeling your emotions what are you feeling right now am i feeling angry am i feeling sad what am i feeling second where are you feeling it because our emotions it comes in some sort of physical way as well so where are you feeling those emotions are you feeling when especially when you're very stressed out very anxious you feel it in your jaws mm. when you're very tense you'll find you'll find yourself you know uh, maybe having tight neck muscles tight shoulders yeah. unexplained pains and aches mm. changes in digestive system so notice what happens where is that happening inside your body mm. after that each emotion serves a purpose mm. what is it telling you what is that need which is not being met mm. so for example anger you feel angry it is very natural everybody feels feels that emotion now sitting with that anger we don't have to throw a big tantrum we don't need to do that but sitting and asking ourselves where is this anger coming from what is it telling us mm. it is important to sit and ask yourself those important questions is it something bothering you what do you need to do about it sitting with that is important after that once you're ready then we need other skills of communication and everything that's for another time yeah. but that is part 1 as parents it is important you do role modeling hmm. where um as parents we somehow have the pressure to be perfect where yeah. you cannot make any mistakes mm. but that is not true that is very unrealistic mm. so owning up to your mistakes mm. and apologizing or maybe let's just say um you're having a bad day and just saying you know what i'm having a bad day mm. being vulnerable mm. and how do you cope with it maybe mm. if you're having a bad day you just like to listen to music and that makes you feel better yeah so now sharing the fact that i'm having a bad day and this is what i do to improve my mood you are setting an example this is you know role modeling yeah. that is how you could do if you're angry mm. just say i'm feeling angry mm. or or you could demonstrate whenever i'm really angry i'm frustrated i there's lot of energy i take deep breaths in so when you do that your children are actually seeing that and they're learning from you mm. so next time when your child is having a big tantrum or big feelings and they don't know what to do about it start with let's it's okay whatever you're feeling we'll try to take few couple of deep breaths yeah. and and then we'll talk about it yeah i think this is something that i used to do in my classroom as well like i think we even talked about it earlier that when children experience these heavy big rushing emotions especially of anger and frustration there's so much going on in their body that we i used to generally have them come outside with me and let's go take a walk or let's go for a run like yeah. let's take a run because that would kind of easily ease them off the energy that they are feeling and letting them express themselves in that moment whichever way they want to while being at a safe distance mm-hmm. and telling them that i'm ready to talk to you when you are ready to talk and not um rejecting them or showing them that what you're doing or your expression of anger is unacceptable mm-hmm. like setting that example that okay this is how you did it this time 
maybe next time we'll try doing this when you feel upset you know and kind of coming up with solutions with them that mm-hmm. what would you like to do would you like to go outside for a walk when you are angry or would you like to maybe in some instances with toddlers would you like to punch a pillow mm-hmm. you know like s- using certain alternatives and then they can when they see that they are also getting a choice yes. to express themselves that's when they'll also kind of agree to your modes and methods of expressing their uh, not so positive feelings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it's definitely a process even i feel like having a continuous dialogue with yourself as a parent and realizing that okay this is where i need to change things or this is where i need to kind of you know step back mm-hmm. i think this is also important and maybe collectively acknowledging that fact that mental health is but a very natural part of our lives and yes. it is not something hala blue that we need to talk into you know either we come on a big platform and discuss about it or we need to go into corners and be hush hush about it yes all right so that kind of um, brings us to this whole topic where we can you know like you've already told that how can children actually and encar- i mean talk about their feelings because we'll be role modeling that for them and we can mm-hmm. obviously tell them that you know this is how you can do it but when it comes to talking about feelings do you think is there's a particular way that parents can create that space for children or teachers can create that space because it's a very um small thing but you need to begin with it early i feel mm-hmm. because the sooner the better because if you've done that now when the child is a teenager and when they're actually going through so many rampant feelings mm-hmm. they have that they can have that conversation with you yes yeah so um it starts with communication mm-hmm. very simple yeah. not just talking about bad things but also talking about good things it's as simple as how was your day if the child is saying it was a great day fantastic but if they say they're having a bad day being non-judgmental about it of course as parents we are worried about their mm-hmm. security but creating that space like you know what if you messed up it is okay mm-hmm. i mean also it is our responsibility to make sure that they understand that for each action yeah. there is going to be a repercussion like there is going to be some result to it yeah. so if you are making mistakes you got to if, if you created a mess you have to clean that yeah. so every action like whatever you do there is going to be after some following that so um being non judgmental creating that space allowing them to make their own choices also educating them that this can lead to this mm-hmm. this can lead to this way so y- what do you want to do if you do this this are going to this is the result it may or may not be favorable so you have a choice what you want to do with your life so giving them the control not taking the control away from them like mm-hmm. this is what you are supposed to do or just punishing them for like yeah. how could you even do that that doesn't work mm-hmm. so talking about every action has a result mm-hmm. and understanding what is right and wrong for you mm. so that is all we could do as parents we can if we start controlling them mm. then they might not even come and share with yeah. us yeah mm. i mean yeah i mean it is very natural that 
it is easier to set these controlling environments when the children are younger but if you do that as and when they grow older especially when they enter their adult lives it's just going to go out of hand like then if you try to you know bring those boundaries or that sense of control over your children you are in for some deep trouble <laughs> yeah and the more we control like mm-hmm. of course as parents we want to protect our kids but the more we c- as they grow up we cannot control them yeah so having the that realization in our mind why don't we actually equip them the skills that you know what you will you are going to mess up absolutely it is going to happen mm. why don't we prepare ourselves like mm. it's okay to fall down it's okay to lose the important thing is you get up and go and do whatever you're supposed to do mm. so it's okay to have that roadblock mm. it is going to happen rather mm. than just taking away that roadblock is not going to equip them with those skills absolutely you know in fact what you're saying is kind of taking me back to my classroom because i have done that with working with children you know how when they are learning to maybe use a bike in you know the cycles and stuff there used to be many instances where i used to see them falling and sometimes when you know that they are falling because they are going to be able to get up on their own you kind of hold yourself back like it might be very difficult that you know your instinct is to go and save them but you in that moment when the child falls off the bike but actually has a moment gets up and you actually tell them that you can do it off you go again give it another shot yes that is actually setting a life skill for them yes and we don't realize it but that is what parents do in these early years for children teachers do in these early years for children like telling them certain things in those moments that is going to be basically a way of living life <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah true <laughs> well this almost brings us to the end of our discussion and while i think we've talked about almost everything that we both really had in our minds mm-hmm. but before i let you go i have to ask you certain tips or certain pointers that we as parents caregivers teachers and people in general can probably you know make note and uh, practice in our daily lives to ensure our mental well-being mhm i am still uh, processing the conversation we were having so mm-hmm. i still have one tip which is relevant to that which i'm going to share mm-hmm. um it is very important to understand when you are reacting and when you are responding because mm-hmm. um when we react it's we are not processing everything we are not taking a moment to think we are just reacting to the moment so in your example when you saw that you know when the child is learning to ride a bicycle so they are falling our immediate reaction would be run and to protect Save. Them. Yeah, yeah yeah but taking a moment to pause and to think like okay what's the best way to deal with it so you know what i do is have a breather i always like some people like to count from 10 to 1 some people like to do deep breathing like me i'll just like take three deep breaths in and i'll be like okay now when we do that when we take that time it gives us our mind to process everything 
and to take a rational decision rather right. than impulsive decision. Right. So this practice is very important, be it as a parent, teacher, mm. or even as an adult, because sometimes we are just like, somebody said something and we're like, bam, and respond, like, you know, reacting to those yeah. situations. So yeah. taking a moment, think about it, and then responding it. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, the other things which, in general, I would like to say is self-care is very important mm. um, for overall our well-being. So making sure that you are eating um, nutritious food, mm -hmm. you're hydrating yourself, you're doing some sort of physical fitness, like physical exercise, go mm -hmm. out for a walk, run, jog, gym, whatever works best for you. Uh, for your mental well-being, um, it's important that we spend time with our loved ones, mm -hmm. with our friends, um, have some alone time, mm -hmm. um, spend time in nature. Mm -hmm. um, it's important that you express your emotions or your thoughts. So sometimes you can share it with your friends mm. sometimes it's hard to share with others during those times you could some people um, choose any form of art uh, some like to draw paint dance um, mm. or journal mm -hmm. I like to journal mm. that's what I do but it's important that whatever is going in there you bring it out right somewhere in some form mm. um, it's important to understand that if you're struggling mm seek out for help right go to a therapist go to a counselor some mental health practitioner for help mm. it's okay to ask for help mm. in any form if it's mental health anything mm. because these days we promote that we have to be yeah. self-sufficient self-sufficient oh, yeah but it's okay to ask for help on mm. days where you're like okay this this is mm. not working for me yeah go seek for help and one last thing actually mm. two things which i practice regularly is um, deep breathing, it has a scientific reason behind it. I'm not going to elaborate that a lot. But in simple words, when you do deep breathing, mm -hmm. you're sending your body, your brain, your mind calming signals that it's okay. Okay. Calm down. Yeah. The threat is not so big. We can deal with it. The mm -hmm. more you do deep breathing, it uh, activates our parasympathetic system, right. nervous system. Right. So it relaxes our mind and mm -hmm. body. So that is the quickest way to do things. And at last, uh, my personal favorite is um, gratitude exercise. Mm -hmm. um, simply, what are the three things that you're grateful for? You could do it before going to bed, whatever works best for you. Mm -hmm. Like doing it regularly for some people, it might be unrealistic, right. maybe once a week if that works for you. Mm. But doing something, I'll explain you the reason behind it because we are so busy in our lives that mm. sometimes we forget the joys of our lives. Yeah. So taking a moment, being conscious about and acknowledging all the good things in our lives. Oh yeah. On bad days, it is very hard to see positive. Mm. So if you have that practice, okay, sit there. And what are the three things you're grateful for? Maybe it, it's a really horrible day. So maybe I just had a meal or I could talk to my friend or I, mm. I could talk to my mother or somebody. Mm. So now those three, though even those small, small things yeah. can actually you a lot yeah I mean it's quite a wholesome thing but yeah. I think one more thing that you like to do is yoga yeah <laughs> I think that is something we should add because because of your promotion of yoga yeah I think a lot of us got into yoga and we kind of were like oh it is actually a very great thing yes <laughs> yeah yoga is amazing for physical mental yeah. and emotional well-being yeah yes. and I think 
considering the fact that we are leading such busy lives and also you mentioned that you know this whole self sufficiency and independent thinking and being so uh, self motivated this whole idea or rather i would say it's a propaganda <laughs> that's been promoted and highlighted all over the internet mm-hmm. it kind of really exhausts people because they try to live up to it and we forget in the process that we can actually take support like there's nothing wrong with asking for help like if you're not able to do things and it's just not about going out and seeking therapy or you know going to a counselor it's also about just asking people for help for normal things if you're not able to do it it's fine if you're not able to complete stuff it's fine like you don't have to kind of put yourself down yes. for it you know that i think is something that our generation is still trying to unpack and <laughs> kind of you know understand because we are again in that whole zone where independence and you know get everything and be motivated and don't wait for anybody and that whole idea mm-hmm. is so large that we just forget that there's nothing wrong asking for help yeah i mean it's great that you want to be independent but setting unrealistic expectations yeah is really harmful rather than helping you it's just exhausting you so yes. finding the right balance taking breaks asking for help is very important yeah all right that was a beautiful discussion and yes. i'm sure that with whatever we've discussed i think we've discussed quite a bit i'm sure that all the people who are watching this are going to enjoy listening to it and uh, watching us and they'll take home some good valuable you know knowledge and information and yeah they'll probably um, understand that mental health is very very important in our lives today so thank you janki thank you sanya i had great time.